Thanks for watching NTD Business. Coming up. A new lawsuit trying to block President Biden's plan to cancel student debt. It's one of the first major legal challenges. Big leaks in key pipelines delivering Russian gas to Europe. Was there sabotage involved? And amid rising prices, is it possible to have zero inflation in the United States? We take a deep dive to try and find out. We have that and much more coming up on NTD Business. It's great to have you with us. Paul Graney here. It looks like the housing market is finally cooling off. A key home price index shows rising prices slowed at the fastest rate on record in July. Prices are still up around 16% over the year, but that's down significantly from the month before. Rising mortgage rates are likely making it harder for Americans to afford more expensive homes, but they're not backing entirely off, it seems. Sales of new homes unexpectedly bounced back in August. Almost 700,000 new homes were sold last month, up 29% from July. The price of new homes also falling slightly, median home price down $2,600. We had been seeing fewer new homes sold recently. Supply chain issues meant longer wait times for more expensive materials. Perhaps this news is a sign these problems are getting resolved. But higher prices are still hurting Americans day to day. A Bank of America survey shows that 7 out of 10 U.S. workers pay can't keep price with the rising cost of living. That's up significantly from February. The survey was done in July among Americans who have 401k plans and under half of all U.S. employees say they feel well off financially. That's the lowest level in five years. Many of those unhappy folks could be working in the airline industry. Protests are happening at many U.S. airports over pay and staff shortages. Get ready for more flight disruptions. Aditi Shah Marshall has more. The U.S. airline industry is being hit from two directions at once, by airline workers and President Biden. First, protesting has been planned after cashiers, baristas, bartenders, cooks, and lounge attendants at San Francisco International Airport launched an open-ended strike Monday. The reason? Staffing levels and wages, causing disruptions to concessions at one of the nation's busiest airports. Protests by flight attendants from United and Southwest Airlines are also expected at 21 airports in U.S. and in London. They're calling attention to understaffing and the issues it creates. The second hit to airlines comes with Biden announcing new rules Monday requiring airlines and travel sites to be more transparent about additional fees customers could be charged, fighting what the president called unnecessary hidden fees that were weighing down family budgets. Families shouldn't have to pay these fees. No one's sneaking surprise charges in the bills. Like flying now you have to pay a $50 processing fee for a hotel room that you're trying to book. A processing fee. you find out later. Under the proposed rule, airlines and travel sites would have to disclose up front the first time an airfare is displayed, any fees charged to sit with your child, for changing or canceling your flight, and for checked or carry-on baggage. This is according to a draft news release from the Department of Transportation shared with CNN. Biden argued that the new regulations would lead to increased competition among carriers. The biggest question is how the strike and government pressure will affect American airline travel. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And gas prices are moving up again. 
President Biden is putting the blame on gas stations. He's demanding they lower their prices. He said the price of oil is down, so why aren't we seeing some relief at the pump? Here he is. To the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump, bring down the prices you're charging to the pump to reflect the cost you pay for the product. Do it now. Do it now. Not a month from now. Do it now. While the president has blamed private companies and Russia's war in Ukraine for the high gas prices, Republicans blame Biden's policies. That includes reducing oil leases and shutting down pipeline projects. Others have also pointed out that gas stations run on razor-thin margins, making most of their profits on convenience store items, not gas. Average price of a gallon of regular rose to $3.75 today. That's up 17% from a year ago. So with all the pain and finger-pointing caused by inflation, is it possible to have little or no inflation? Sounds good, right? Well, rising prices are often a sign that the purchasing power of the dollar is simply declining. This can be caused by printing new money. When you increase the number of dollars in circulation, it devalues the dollars already out there. Here's Nathan Lewis, gold standard expert and co-author of Inflation. So basically what happens when there's an unstable currency, obviously the currency's value falls in half. We're kind of saying that in Britain, Euro, Yen right now. Then, you know, all things being equal, nominal prices would kind of have to double. Lewis is an internationally renowned expert on money and taxation. And so if inflation has to do with the value of the dollar declining, is there an advantage to stabilizing the dollar? You don't want prices to be kicked around because your currency is unstable in value. And gold standard has achieved that pretty reliably over history. In the past, under the gold standard, you could redeem your dollars for a fixed amount of gold. A gold standard system just means that you keep the value of your currency the same as gold, as some you know measure of gold. For example, before World War I, $20 was worth about an ounce of gold. That was supposed to limit the number of new dollars the government could print because the government officials needed to keep a little more physical gold on hand for each dollar it printed. Post-gold standard in the fiat currency system, our currency basically has no intrinsic value. It's not based on the value of anything. In the last 500 years, we've only had ever two systems. There's only ever been gold standard currencies and floating fiat make it up as you go along currencies. And the track record is very clear. Gold standard currency works very well. It's very reliable. It's predictable. It's concrete. We know exactly what it is. It's not some guy gets up in front of a microphone and says something system. Um, and it's had it's created very stable, reliable macroeconomic conditions as anyone who is familiar with the British Consul bond, the British government bond during the 19th century knows. And it works great. It's pretty clear that there was no dramatic decline in currency value. And there was no dramatic rise in currency value. So we more roughly achieved our desirable goal of stable currency value in the short term and in the long term. Historically, the purchasing power of gold has been very stable. In history, gold standards have provided more stable currencies with a lower inflation rate than fiat currencies have, that's for sure. But a counter-argument to a gold standard is there can be random shocks to the supply or demand of gold, and this will affect its purchasing power. But historically, this hasn't been too big of a problem. For example, in 1849, there was a major supply shock, the California gold rush. 
The newly produced gold increased the U.S. money supply, but this only led to inflation that was less than 1.5% per year for about eight years. Under our current fiat standard, the supply of money is up to the decisions of the Federal Open Market Committee, Federal Reserve. The creation of money and the fate of the dollars rests with a handful of political appointees. And historically, floating fiat currency, we've seen some countries decimated by hyperinflation. Keep you updated. And a group is trying to block President Biden's plan to cancel student loans. The Pacific Legal Foundation, or PLF, filed the first lawsuit today against the Education Department. The Biden administration wants to forgive up to $20,000 in student debt per borrower, but the PLF argues the plan is illegal because Congress didn't approve it. Biden's team, though, disagrees. It argues under national emergencies like the pandemic, the Education Department can cancel student loans. Lawsuit, though, argues that's still illegal because canceling student loans doesn't target any harm caused by the pandemic. Congressional Budget Office estimates Biden's plan will cost $400 billion over 30 years. One of the world's biggest consulting firms says ESG investing is at a crossroads. It's coming under growing scrutiny. ESG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. It's a relatively new investment criteria, but the standard can mean different things to different people. EY's Global Vice Chair for Sustainability said yesterday the standard is, quote, net good for businesses, but he also admits the standard is, quote, really immature, sometimes misused. In the U.S., ESG has become far more politicized than I've seen happen anywhere else in the business world. We're definitely at a crossroads for ESG. I don't really know where it's going to go in the next 12 months. The idea of ESG investing was first launched by the United Nations in 2006. It's gained traction ever since then. Right now, there are $35 trillion in ESG funds globally. But ESEY's Varley says there's been sort of a pause in global ESG investing lately. Some lawmakers have, some lawmakers have criticized ESG investing for demonizing fossil fuels and prioritizing social justice initiatives. They don't always give investors the best returns either. University of Chicago study shows that high sustainability funds don't really provide higher returns. So this live is Matthew Peterson, co-founder of New Founding. Its goal is to build a commercial and cultural network to fight, quote, wokeness. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Thank you for having me. Back in June, Matthew, you wrote this article titled The Way Forward predicting there could be some kind of pushback against these progressive policies. So I assume this news about ESG being at a crossroads doesn't necessarily come as a surprise to you. No, this has been this has been happening for a long time and we've been moving towards the breaking point where people start to publicly complain. Um, you know, overall ESG is a tool, it's a way to enforce an ideology upon the marketplace and we're now at the point at which people want to break out, but they're finding that they can't. And, uh, you know, it's really sad how embedded it is into the financialization of the economy and now, you know, onto these corporations. And what people are waking up to is that this isn't going away and they may not like it, but they've already let it in the door and it's already taken control uh, really of, an, of, of the entire economy. And so we're now at, at a place where people are looking for solutions. What are some of the main complaints you hear about ESG investing? 
Well, I think when it comes to energy, for instance, everyone knows that this is uh, an environmentalist, a radical environmentalist agenda many times being pushed upon, uh, you know, fossil fuel companies in an insane sort of way. Uh, and, and there's really not a lot of debate about it. It's sort of dictated to you by, you know, even larger entities. And of course, ESG is very, it's a whole network of NGOs and others who organize shareholders and they've got this down to a science. They've been doing it for years and sort of spring this upon these companies. And you're already at a place in America where, look, people in elite professions and media, tech, finance, uh, in, uh, in, in, uh, you know, all over the, all over the spectrum, they know that they can't even say their beliefs out loud, right, in the workforce without being fired. That's the environment we're already in. And that stems in part from the adoption of ESG at the top levels, which, you know, it hides itself with these broad abstract words that, as we all know, are, are not really tied to uh, sufficient metrics. I mean, they're sort of loose uh, by design. And so the complaint that you'll hear is, is, uh, is really, at this point, how do we get around this? We can't. There's no way out of it. And uh, Larry Fink and others right, have said, oh, no, it's, this isn't extreme. This is fine. But everyone behind the scenes knows that this is a real, a real problem. And so the individual talent in these organizations, even one of the complaints I hear, they want to break out. They want to, they want to work for a different corporation that, that isn't moving in this direction. You're kind of an expert in messaging, particularly political messaging and, and cultural uh, issue messaging. ESG, I think when a lot of people hear it, their eyes kind of glaze over. It's this kind of what appears to be dull, bureaucratic style um, jargon or mantra or whatever. How are you seeing from a political perspective people are communicating this issue well or not well? Well, I think there's a few people who've started to speak up. I think there's a counter movement that's that's moving. I mean, uh, New Founding, which we're part of, which like founded, uh, is is part of this. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy has done a great job in speaking out against it and starting to describe what it's doing. Because you're exactly correct, and this is sort of why I'm doing what I'm doing. The messaging here is important. It comes across as this abstract good thing. Who doesn't want social justice? And everyone kind of knows what it is when they see it, right? It's sort of a, a bunch of more liberal or left-leaning policies that are all sort of related and you're supposed to you know, get in line. So it's kind of an ingenious mechanism um, to, to force compliance uh, by everyone. And it pretends to some kind of, you know, to some kind of metrics or some kind of fiscal good, uh, which, as, as you pointed out in the opening segment, is, is not proven at all. A lot to follow. Matthew Peterson, I appreciate it. Talk soon. Thank you. And on Wall Street today, markets ended mixed. S&P recording its lowest close in two years, down from about 24% from its record high. S&P 500 dropped 8 points, 2 tenths of a percent, and the Dow fell 126 points, 4 tenths of a percent today. NASDAQ, though, gained 27 points, or a quarter of a percent. And three leaks have been detected in the Nord Stream pipelines. These pipelines were a vital source of Europe's energy. Danish authorities say they're not small cracks. They're, in fact, really big holes. A team in Sweden registered two clear explosions in the area on Monday, one at 2 a.m. Eastern Central European time, a second at 7 p.m. The Prime Minister of Poland immediately declared that it was sabotage, without offering any evidence, by the way. Ukraine immediately said that it was Russia who committed the sabotage, also citing no evidence, though, keep in mind. 
Meanwhile, Russian media has blamed Ukraine as well as the United States. The Nord Stream 1 pipeline is very important to Europe. Last year, it delivered 14% of all Europe's energy. Without gas coming through it, European economies and families are potentially greatly affected. Remember, we're already in an energy crisis in Europe. Russia shut the pipeline down before the leaks, but now there's far less hope that gas will flow through it anytime soon. And even though the pipeline wasn't active, natural gas was still inside it. The Danish Defense Command captured footage of methane rising to the surface of the Baltic Sea. A researcher from the Royal Danish Defense College says it's extremely unusual to see three leaks on the same day. He suggests it also could be sabotage. Technically speaking, this is not difficult. I mean, you, you, it just requires a boat. It requires some divers that know how to handle explosive devices. Um, and then depending on the water depth, uh, maybe some special diving equipment. Um, or you could do it with some, some of those modern uh, underwater submarines. Um, so, so technically speaking, it's not difficult. And it could be done by also uh, non-governmental actors. He says pipelines are very vulnerable and very hard to defend. He explains that it's hard to figure out exactly who did it, if anyone, but he does have a theory. If we look at who would actually benefit from disturbances, more chaos on the gas market uh, in Europe, I, I think there's basically only one actor right now that actually benefits from more uncertainty, and that is Russia. Russia that is using gas exactly as a pressure point to sort of um, put pressure on Europe um, to essentially give up the support for Ukraine in, in the Ukraine war. But the leaks also hurt Russia because it can't sell its gas through damaged pipelines, obviously. So it's not immediately clear who would have a strong incentive to do it. The European Commission says it's still too early to speculate. One of the Swedish seismologists says explosions in the Baltic Sea where the pipeline lies aren't uncommon. We do record regularly uh, explosions in the Baltic. So some of them we know because we are, are told by the Swedish Navy that they are uh, performing blasts and they're testing mines and, and they're doing all sorts of, of training exercises. A stray Swedish mine. Can't say it's off the table. We'll keep you updated. Oh, if you have any news, tips or feedback for the show, you can email us, business at ntd.com. Still to come this evening, stay with us. Ford is facing a new surprising snag in its supply chain. It's short of a key branding element. NASA hits a major target to see if we can change the course of an asteroid and someday prevent it from hitting Earth. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. America's iconic automobile brand Ford is unable to make deliveries of some of its best-selling vehicles. The shortage of computer ships is one reason, but another supply chain problem is a little more unexpected. 
the automaker doesn't have enough of the blue oval Ford brand badges that go on the front of the vehicle. Ford has delayed deliveries of a number of vehicles because they're waiting for that blue oval badge. Ford officials, though, won't say how many of the 40,000 vehicles stuck in inventory are due to the name plate shortage. The company says it's tried some workarounds, like using 3D printing to make the Ford insignia. Supply chain issues like this one may account for some of the reason why Ford's stock is down 41% in 2022. Ouch. And NASA's DART spacecraft successfully slammed into a distant asteroid at hypersonic speed yesterday. It was testing the world's first planetary defense system designed to prevent a potential doomsday meteorite collision with Earth. Jason Albano reports. Looks to me like we're headed straight in. Can mankind deflect an asteroid on a collision course with Earth? NASA has inched one step closer to finding out after its DART spacecraft successfully slammed into a distant asteroid at hypersonic speed. DART, or the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, is the world's first ever test of a planetary defense system. Humanity's first attempt to alter the motion of an asteroid or any celestial body. Four, three, NASA workers just outside Washington, D.C. cheered as they witnessed the bullseye hit. Second-by-second images of the spacecraft crashing into the asteroid moonlit known as Dimorphos, 10 months after DART first launched. And we have The mission was devised to determine whether a spacecraft can nudge an asteroid off course through sheer kinetic force. Even just a small tilt from millions of miles away and years in advance could potentially keep our planet out of harm's way. Nancy Chabot is the DART mission's coordination lead. Oh, the test went spectacularly. It was really everything that we expected and even honestly more. We were sitting there watching these images come in as we got closer and closer to Dimorphos, saw those surface features and they came into focus. I think all of us had said it would be spectacular and it was. But while NASA's spacecraft successfully hit its intended target, whether it did anything to change its trajectory will not be known until further observations in October. Elena Adams is one of the mission's engineers. That's our number two goal. Number one was hit the asteroid, which we've done, but now number two is really measure that period change and characterize how much ejecta uh, we actually put out. Neither Dimorphos or its parent asteroid Didymus present any actual threat to Earth. Both are tiny, compared with the cataclysmic Chicxulub asteroid that struck Earth some 66 million years ago, wiping out about three-quarters of the world's plant and animal species, including the dinosaurs. Of all the near-Earth asteroids that NASA tracks, none are known to pose a foreseeable hazard. However, NASA estimates there are many more near-Earth asteroids that remain undetected. Let's hope they don't knock it into Earth's path. You ever miss being a kid and getting McDonald's Happy Meal? Maybe you still get them anyway. Well, either way, for a limited time, you can relive the nostalgia. Starting Monday, McDonald's is teaming up with a popular streetwear brand to sell Happy Meals to adults. The new adult Happy Meals are called Cactus Plant Flea Market Boxes. You can order them with a Big Mac or 10-piece Chicken McNuggets. Come with fries, a drink, even a toy. The toys of McDonald's famous mascots redesigned, including Grimace, Hamburglar, and Birdie. There's also a new one called Cactus Buddy. No word yet on how much they will cost, but we'll keep you updated. Don't worry. 
That's the latest in the NTD Business team and myself, Paul Graney. Follow me on Twitter, though, if you're there, please. Oh, and if you have any news, tips, feedback for the show, email us, business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.